Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Worship band, thank you for leading us um, just in worship, not only today, but, but every Sunday. I uh, love the heart of our worship team um, week after week as they just lead us in worship. Um, those listening online, thanks for joining in. And um, pray that it would be uh, really good for your soul this morning. I'm uh, really excited about today. Um, it's more of a simple message, um, but such a powerful one in my heart. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to tell you and just share a little bit about I love the city that we live in. I love Lawrence. And I'm going to tell you why I love Lawrence, Kansas. Um, I didn't grow up in Kansas, and so I grew up in South Texas and a couple of large cities down south, Houston and San Antonio. And so I love the small nature of, of our town. Some of you guys from Western Kansas are like, this is like a thriving metropolis, and this is huge to me. Um, and uh, But coming where I came from, this is a small neighborhood, um, but... Uh, but I, I love the small nature of our town, um, but I love being close to Kansas City where you have anything you want in a large city. I love um, Four Seasons. Um, down where I grew up, we had summer and then hotter summer and then a little bit of a winter for a couple of hours and then back to summer. Um, but then I, I love the fact that we live in a university town, so there's some vibrancy and uh, just energy that brings to that place. But one of my favorite things about our city is the fact that I really believe and I see God moving in our city. Um, I moved here about 10 years ago, and in that time, there's been several churches that have been planted and have lasted here in our town, including Rock Hill. Um, but several others that are thriving and that are really engaging our town and our city. And there's been several ministries on campus that have been started in the last 10 years. And so when I look at a, just a global picture of Lawrence and I see how God is bringing churches and God is bringing campus ministries to KU, I just can't help but believe that God is up to something in our town. And that just excites me greatly. It excites me to be here. It excites me to be a part of what God is wanting to do in Lawrence. Um, but I see it. In the last 10 years, I've really noticed just that people are open to spiritual conversations in our town. And like all the time. Um, and, and if you look for it, you're, you're going to see it. We were with a, Katie and I were at a, a doctor the other day, and we in, I ended up praying for this lady whose husband's going through a lot of different things health-wise. And she said, I've never had anybody pray for me before. And uh, just really was excited about that. And so people are just, for some reason, in Lawrence, are really open to having conversations. Contrasted to where I grew up in, down in, in Texas, People are maybe open to it, but they're very familiar with it, and they don't really care. 
But in Lawrence, it seems to me everywhere I go that people are open to having a conversation. They may not believe what you think. They might not believe what I think. But they're open to dialoguing and having conversations and hearing from you. I was at um, a business this past couple weeks ago, and, um, and this, the lady I was waiting to talk to, uh, she was at her desk, and uh, lots of people around. And she was on the phone, and she was talking. You've ever been in one of these situations where she was talking loud enough that everybody can hear, and so you can't help but just listen? Um, and so I just did. I was just listening. I was staring at her, so it was obvious that I was listening to her conversation. Um, but I was just staring, watching, and listening to her talk. It was just too loud. You just were kind of compelled to. Um, I probably wasn't the only one, so I felt okay about it. Um, and so I was listening, and she was sharing with the person on the phone about how that she's been sick, really sick for several weeks, and today was her first day back. And uh, it's just been a really hard beginning of 2022. And... Uh, she talked a little bit more, and I don't even remember what she was uh, talking about. Um, but uh, she got the phone, and she said, took a deep breath, and she said, can I help you? And I said, first of all, I said, I'm sorry that you've been sick and struggling for a long time. I said, can I, can I pray for you? With whatever's going on, I said, I don't even need to know. I said, I just wanted to pray for you. And uh, and she said, she started crying. She says, I don't even know what that means, but sure. Um, and so I just prayed that God would help her and give her strength and give her healing. And I prayed that, I prayed that Jesus would be made known to her. And uh, right there in the middle of probably 15 or 20 other people that could have been a part of the conversation, um, she just was sitting there and just looked at me and she said, thank you. He said, I would love to know more about this Jesus that you just prayed about, because I don't know what that means. People are open in our town, and that makes me incredibly excited to be a part of that. It makes me incredibly excited to be, about a, be a part of a church that has a desire for the people around us to know him, and actually to be around, be a part of a church among a community of churches that have a desire for this town to come to know Jesus. So I love our city, and if you don't, um, you're missing something. Um, so uh, this, that ties into what we're talking about today. Um, and so if you have your Bible, we're, we've started last week going through the book of John, the Gospel of John, and uh, it's a phenomenal book where Jesus' best friend gives an account and tells the story of Jesus' life in a different way than the other three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so today we're in the second part of it. And so it's John chapter 1, verse 6 through 13. And I'm going to read that right now. This is what the Bible says. It says this. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. God. 
even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. So this section of John is kind of broken up in two different parts. First part is talking about John, which is John the Baptist. And the second part is talking about Jesus being the true light. If you remember last week, Jim was talking about how the, the, the word was there at the very beginning. And the word was Jesus. And that the word was the, was the light. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not comprehended. So John's talking about how Jesus is the word and the word is the light. And then he stops talking about that and talks about John the Baptist. And then he goes back and he talks about Jesus being the true light. And so with the first part of the, today's message, we're going to talk about John the Baptist and, and, and what he was doing. He was a witness of Christ. And so there's two things that I just want to share with you guys about, about John the Baptist that we can glean, we can, we can take away from. And, and the first is this, is that we are a witness of Christ. The whole point of today's message is talking about how we are a witness of the one true light, which is Jesus. And so John, it says this very clearly, that he was a witness of the light. We too are called to be witnesses. One of my favorite things about these three verses, or three verses, it's very nuanced, but it spoke volumes to me, was this. It says this, in verse 6, it says this. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. That's it. God sent a man named John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He sent a man. He could have sent a giant meteor shower that put something in the sky that says Jesus is here. He could have sent an army of people he could have caused an earthquake. He could have caused a tornado. He could have done anything he wanted to because he's a creative God. But in his sovereignty, he sent a man to be a witness for Christ. I love how God invites us to be a part of his story. He could have done it so many other ways. But he invites us to be a part of his story, to be a part of what he's doing in this world. Jesus did it all the time. Jesus would meet somebody, like the woman at the well, engage her in that moment in, in her story and invited God's story, or invited her to be a part of God's story. He did that with Peter. Peter just having a bad day on the sea fishing. And Jesus says, why don't I teach you to become fishers of men? He engaged Peter right where Peter was at and invited Peter into the story about God. God wants to use us to invite us into his story. Yesterday we had a men's event, about 22, 23 guys 
And one of the things we did is we talked about two passages. One was in the book of Luke, I think, um, and the other one was in John chapter 2. We're actually going to talk about John chapter 2 in a couple of weeks at church. But one of the things that struck me in John chapter 2, it's a story of where Jesus and the disciples go to a wedding at Cana. And they're having this wedding feast. And as custom there, the, the, the family of the bride is to feed and give wine for, the, for everybody in attendance. And it's supposed to last for a long, long time. But this particular wedding, they ran out of wine. And so Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, please do something. And after a dialogue, Jesus says, servants, go fill up the water. Fill up these cans, these canisters, these big giant buckets of barrels. Fill them up with water. Jesus did not have to invite the servants to fill those barrels up with water. He, created, he helped create the world. He created the world. He could have made wine out of nothing. But he wanted to invite some servants to be a part of what he was doing. God wants us to be a part of his story. John had a vision for his life that included preparing the way for Jesus among the people. John was cousins of Jesus. He didn't do miracles. He wasn't a miracle-working man. He just shared and laid a groundwork for Christ to come. Jesus, John's life pointed to Jesus. Everything about John's life was pointed directly. A Messiah is coming. And I'm not him, but a Messiah is coming. John came as a witness to testify about the light. As believers, we are a witness of Jesus, whether we like it or not. Whether we intend to be or not. We get to be a witness to the Son of God. And his impact and his influence and his changing and transformation of our life. We are a witness of him. Wherever we go, all the time. Jesus often intersected people's story with God's grand story. I love that phrase because I use that often when I meet with people. One of my favorite, my favorite questions to ask people is just, what's your story? It's what's your story? I love hearing stories. I love telling stories. I'm not very good at telling stories sometimes, but I love hearing them. And so people have stories about their life and people want to share them. So I love hearing that. A few weeks ago, I was at, a, at the grocery store and I ran into a, a guy from India who was struggling to figure out what he needed to get off the shelf. He said there was, it ended up being that there was so many options, he didn't know what option of noodle he really wanted to get. He said back in his home country, there's like a couple of options, not like a hundred different options. And so I was helping him figure out which noodle to get. And I asked him what his story was. And he said he's a student here, and he's lonely, and he struggles making friends. And so because of that, he just does work, and he does school, and he does his labs. 
got to hear his story, got to have coffee with him, got to talk to him about Jesus a little bit. But it all started with, what kind of noodle do you want? And then what's your story? We are a witness of Christ, just like John was, and we need to be a part of his vision. The second thing, there is a not in our witness. You might see it on the screen, it's like, help you understand what I'm trying to say. There is a not in our witness. Let me explain it here. Verse 8, it says this, John was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Later on in in John chapter 1, John specifically and clearly says that I am not the Christ, this is the Messiah. In John chapter 3, he says, he must increase, meaning Jesus, and I must decrease. John's focus in his life was, I want to get out of the way so that Jesus can be high and exalted and lifted up. I don't want the focus on me. John the Baptist's ministry was, I don't want to be the focus. I want him to be the focus. I want Christ to be magnified and lifted high. And I want to be in the background and away from it. John's focus was off of him. I imagine that Psalm chapter 115 was a big part of John's life where it says, not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your loving kindness and your truth. Not about me. Not about me. It's not about us. Our focus must be on Jesus. It's kind of like a mirror. A mirror. A mirror's point is to simply reflect what the image is. If you're looking at a mirror and you don't like what you see, you can't really get mad at the mirror. It's not the mirror's fault. The mirror is simply a reflection. And that's what we're supposed to be about Jesus. A simple reflection of Christ. Where the focus is not on the mirror, the focus is on the image in the mirror. So we're to be a witness. It's not to be about us. It's not to be about us at all. It has nothing to do with us because it's all about Jesus. Third thing, Jesus is the true light. In verse 9 it says this, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. I got to go back to science class this week and I learned a little bit about light because I'm studying light with this passage. And light is huge for us. It provides warmth for us. It provides light so we can actually see things. It provides energy. It even provides oxygen that we can breathe through photosynthesis. Light is so important, vital to earth. In the same way that Jesus is is the light of the world for us. He enlightens us. Jesus is everything to us. So that word right here says this. It says, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. That word enlighten 
is from the Greek word photizo. We kind of get the word photo from it, which means to enlighten, to make see, to brighten, to illuminate. So it says this true light, which is Jesus, enlightens every man. It illuminates every man. For the believer, it illuminates that man and brings them to life. It brings light in their heart and light in their life. It illuminates them. It brings them to brighten and it helps them to see Jesus for who he is and God for who he is, but the world for what, we, well, what it is. But for the unbeliever, it, it enlightens them too. Hopefully it brings them to the point of realization that they need this Jesus that is attempting to illuminate and, and brighten up enlighten their life. Jesus is the true life, true light. And it says this, it starts, it starts talking about the gospel. He was in the world. Jesus came into the world and the world was made through him. Jim alluded to it last week and talked about it, how that he was there at creation. He made the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. And that just, as I thought and allowed that to sit on my heart this week, that just broke my heart. Thinking about how this world, the people in this world, they get to experience this world and this earth that Jesus made all the time. And he came to this world for us as humankind, but the world does not know him. But he says that he gave his son, that God gave his son so that the world may know him. So it says this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. So we're going to talk just for a few minutes about what does it mean to believe in him? What does it mean to believe in his name? It certainly is more than just believing that God came to earth in the flesh. Most religions in our world today believe that Jesus existed and he was true and he's some sort of good prophet. It says in James that even the demons believe that Jesus was real. So what does it mean for us to believe in his name and for that to make a significant difference in our life? Scripture reveals that believing in Jesus means several things. One is to believe and agree with Jesus about ourselves, that we're sinners. And so what I'm going to do the next few minutes is talk about the gospel And so for those who may not believe in the gospel yet or you don't know for sure, this is what it means to believe in him. But for those who've already believed in him, who already have a relationship with him, to hear and understand the gospel over and over again brings life into our hearts. 
It's something that needs to be preached to us often and always, daily, so that we understand who we are and whose we are in Jesus. So the first thing to believe when it says believe in his name is to believe and agree with Jesus about ourselves that we're sinners. That we are sinners and we fall short of God. And we've got to believe to, about that sin to want to turn away and repent from it. Not just to stay there in our sinful lives, but to repent from it and say, God, I am sorry. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be here. This is not what my life is meant to be. But also to agree that Jesus is indeed God. That Jesus came into this world like John just said he did. And he lived among us. Jesus lived among us to pursue us, to live with us. But also to believe that God offers us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus. Not just as a transactional piece for us to get eternal life, but a relational component that we can have a relationship with Jesus now and forever. The whole point of the gospel is that we can have a relationship with Jesus now as well as forever up in heaven. And then at some level, we must transfer our trust from ourself to Jesus. We can't continue living life like it is, but we have to recognize who Jesus is and transfer my trust from me to him. I can't try to figure things out anymore. I can't work good enough and hard enough to attain something, but I need to trust God with everything. This is what it says, last verse. Those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but born of God. So what John is saying is that here's the way that you are to be born of God. There's three ways that you're not born again, and there's one way that you are born again. So the first three knots. The first knot is you are not born of blood. So just because you're born in a Christian home, just because you're born in a religious family, just because your mom or your dad are that way, or just because of your nationality or race does not allow you to have a relationship with God. Nor the will of the flesh. You can't just will and hope and be good enough for that to happen. You just can't will yourself to have a relationship with God all on your own or will yourself to have eternal life with Jesus nor the will of man. You can't convince somebody. You can't talk somebody into it. You can't persuade somebody. But it says, born again of God. Man, that's such a clear thing for me this week. 
for us to have eternal life, for us to accept this gospel, for us to transfer our trust from ourself to him and him alone, we have to be born of God. Not born of our blood, not born because someone tries to persuade us or because we really hope we are going to attain something that's worth it. But born of God. We have to be born of God. The clearest way I can illustrate that is this. I'm a math guy. I loved math growing up. Um, When Kale does math at school, I just get excited about it and get kind of like butterflies inside of like kind of wanting to do that with him. Um, I love math. I think in math. When I'm driving down the road, I'm looking at my odometer and thinking about what numbers on my odometer adds up to something else and get really excited when there's a special number. I love math. One of my favorite ways to illustrate this is this. It's a math equation. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals life. There's nothing that can be added to Jesus to attain life. On this earth or to get to heaven and have eternal life with him forever. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus for yourself. But it's only Jesus for the people that we're witnessing to and are in daily relationship with at work or at school or in your dorm or in your apartment or in your family or in your neighborhood. It's only Jesus for them. We get to be a witness to that. We get to attest that our lives are about Jesus and illuminating Jesus rather than illuminating ourselves. So I'm going to close and ask the worship band to come up. And I just want you to think about those two concepts. The first one is we are a witness. Whether we intend to or not. Whether we want to or try to or mean to. We are a witness for Christ. Especially in our town. Where people are seeking that regularly. And trying to understand this whole spiritual component of what life is. We are a witness. The second thing is Jesus is the only thing that matters. Jesus is the true light that changes life. He's changed mine. So I just want to ask you a question. What does the gospel mean to you? There may be some in here today With a crowd like this, I imagine there is. Where there's, like, I don't know if I believe what you were saying completely. You may be like, you know what, Brian, I understand all that in my head. I've gone to church for a long time, or I've gone to church this year. I've heard you guys talk about it at Challenge or at Rock Hill. But I don't know. I don't know. I struggle to believe So what do you do with that? The first thing that I did when I was 13 was, God, I'm struggling to believe. Will you help me believe? 
will you help me believe? The great thing about God is God is a pursuer and he wants a relationship with us. So he wants to help you believe. He wants to give you this gift and help you transfer your trust from yourself to Jesus. So maybe for you, it may start with, God, help me believe. That might be your takeaway today. There may be something in your life that you're really struggling with. You may struggle with a component of God's character. You're like, I don't see that God's good. We sang about it today, but I don't see the goodness of God in my life. Maybe you need to ask God, help me believe that you're good. My life's falling apart. I've prayed prayers for the longest time, and I don't see that you're good, God. Maybe the prayer for you today is, God, help me believe. Just help me believe that you're good. Help me believe that what you say is true. And I believe that he'll answer that prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I'm going to take a step of faith to do something that we don't normally do at our church. And what I want to do is I just want to pray for us and pray for you. If there's anybody that's struggling to believe in the gospel that I can described earlier and struggling to believe that Jesus is everything. And if you'd like me just to pray for you, I'd just ask, I'm the only one looking, ask you just to lift up your hand and put it right back down. And I'm just going to not call you out. Thank you. I'm not going to come find you. I'm just going to pray for you silently in a moment. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for John the Baptist and being a witness to the one true light. God, I ask that you would help those who are struggling to believe, whether it's believing in salvation and knowing how to transfer that trust to you, we're believing that you're good. We're believing that you care. We're believing that you're loving. Or fill in the blank. So many other options. God, I pray that you'd help us to believe you, that you would pursue us, and that you would increase our faith and our trust and change us. God, I pray that you would just meet us but help us, Lord, be witnesses of your goodness to the world around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're struggling to believe, like I described, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, there's two ways that you can respond. One, you can talk to me or anybody on the stage or Jim or maybe anybody around you. And to say, hey, I'd just like to talk to you about what Brian was talking about. Or if you'd like for somebody to pursue you and to make the initial contact, there's a welcome card in front of you that you can just put your name and say, I want to talk to somebody about believing. And somebody will reach out to you in the next couple of days. And just pray and talk and dialogue. Those are two ways that you can respond today. 
And I want to invite you to stand as we sing.